0: first time in my life i'm truly free to see the click of four is for the poison sea
1: to see the waters occupy the shores of jersey Can i feel alive oh damn we had a break didn't we yeah we did um it was for it, it, it was very it was important definitely not scheming,
0: scamming college tests. <laughs> AP exams, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So what, what, what ah. exams did you have again?
1: Trevor Packer cooked up some stuff for me. AP Environmental Science, <laughs> uh, AP
0: Physics, AP U.S. History, AP English. So we have just now started to enter um, the first spring ever in the Chirac Conflict Zone. Um... And it's hot.
1: It was very hot. Now it's not so hot, but then it's gonna get back to
0: very hot in a few days. My point is, it's hot, right? Yeah. And RAP exams are in the hottest place in the whole entire school. (laughs) Consequently, during my physics C exam, some kid had his shirt off by the end of it. Oh my god!
1: I'm pretty sure that's allowed.
0: I'm I'm pretty sure that's allowed. I that. As far as I know, there's nothing wrong with doing that. <laughs> so, I will treat it as such. All right, long opening. Hello, my name is Eris. Welcome back to CALFIRE Crockpots. Today, we're getting into the social causes of climate change, the long awaited series. Yep, my
1: name is Jacqueline. We'll be talking a lot about why climate change happens and why it's our fault.
0: Yeah, <sighs> and in case when I'm going into the news real quickly, um,. We're experimenting with an audio-only format um, real quick. Uh, more so, it's not I didn't have time to make slides this week. It is I'm experimenting with different mediums of the podcast. So on YouTube, I'd recommend that you just go over to Spotify or Anchor or Apple or wherever and listen there instead of here. <laughs> um, but let's get into the news. Um, Clarence Thomas is mad that the supreme court has no credibility <laughs> Just, yeah. uh, that's the, 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 so uh, man that's the draft decision saying that the decision should be returned to the states it's such a you know what's going to happen yeah everything like, like, that, like
1: everything that's been ruled on a nat- national level is eventually like that's the whole goal. They want to reverse the ruling that allows gay marriage on a national level. And they want to say, oh, yeah. well, it's a state's right to choose and please
0: and, yeah, and it's pick the... whether or not their citizens deserve rights. It's, it's, it, it was only a matter of time. I think every, all the, like the whole, the entirety of the left kind of saw the writing on the wall. Um, That's why, you know, everyone's been hounding their legislatures to either make abortion anti-abortion laws or pro-abortion laws to kind of set those into stone after what happens i mean states like california that'll flat out pay for a woman to come and have an abortion regardless of where they are which is hella cool um and then states like texas considering the death penalty because they're so pro-life that they'll kill you
1: yeah, that sounds a little counterintuitive. Uh
0: I, that, I, that, that one, that one seemed a little extremist. I don't, I don't think that one's gonna go anywhere. But it, it's just, it's so divisive. And going back to, you know, now that a push is over, I have no incentive to care. But, you know, the whole principle of was having states a good idea. Yeah. Like was was having completely different bodies of government, all with their own constitutions a good idea and i there's arguments for both sides obviously but i have my uh my grand plan for america this is my senator armstrong type of stuff right here so we divide america into eh, probably about seven or eight or five or so regions all all states that having the same political disposition so there's a midwest rust belt um northeast like east coast deep south southwest region and they become separate countries for 50 years and in those 50 years they're allowed to go to war they're allowed to do whatever the hell they want but they have to have friendly relations with each other and they can do whatever policy they want and there has to be free immigration between all those countries and at the end of a period of like 50 years they all get together and they look at which state did it which country did it the best. And then they all have to rejoin each other with that's that country's policies. Yeah, I mean it
1: would work. Sort of, sort of
0: certainly. Sort, sort of like a Lord of the Flies trial by fire stuff, but it probably wouldn't join up so peacefully afterwards. It would probably be, oh wait, our way is better. Don't look at the don't yeah. look at the economy. Don't look at the economy. This is this is the trust this is the, us this, on this, our way is better. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's more so a a European Union simulator. Yeah. It's all the states trying to get back together, and none of them can agree on which one. Forced Um, balkanization of the United States. (laughs) Yeah, just... Roe v. Wade is just such a... Even if abortion, even if that falls, it just means so much more for everything else, for any minority community for any um state versus uh, federal government issue and it's also it, it's so weird because abortion isn't as divisive of a topic as people as the news or the left or the right would have you believe it's <laughs> most people believe that exceptions for reasonable exceptions pre-fetal viability is common sense for abortion laws and if that's the compromise we have to agree on then that's that's a fine compromise for everyone involved and i see very few women on the pro-life side yeah i i just wanted to point that out it's like if you see a protest outside an abortion clinic there's a few around here I've kind of like biked past a few recently, and it, it's there's there's like you know the usual crowd up there, and it's all old white men. Like I, there's very few women out there, but at a I pro-choice mean, protest, it's full of women. And obviously, you know, the factor behind
1: like people being against abortion is, at the end of the day, they're not really comfortable with it. There yeah. are ethical obligations that some people have, but really, like. I think most people can agree that those can be tossed aside in certain extenuating circumstances. Yeah.
0: And did you see the shit that, did you see the shit that Biden, like his speech once, like after this draft leaked, it was the most sociopathic shit. And it was just like, well, Jack, you'd better get out there and vote. Like it, uh. it it's like, it's like shouting to someone while they're getting stabbed that, well, you should have supported the police something to the effect it's like an updated trolley problem where it's now you can stop the trolley at any time but if you stop the trolley it'll you'll, you'll you won't be able to fundraise about stopping the trolley yeah it's no i told you so
1: we're here right now whoever's in legislature is in legislature that's a thing for next election
0: yeah and, and it's it's like i know i know about mansion i know about the filibuster i know that things are super gridlocked with the left kind of being so fractured and dispersed and not in lockstep because the majority the majority party is never in lockstep when they're in the majority (laughs) they're only in lockstep when they're on the defensive but if you tell a swing voter that the terms that there was a Democratic president, a Democratic Senate, a Democratic House of Representatives, and they lost abortion. That's a hard sell. That's a really hard sell. And I can't I can say I there is no way the Democrats won't eat shit in the midterms and they have no one to blame but themselves.
1: The thing about the Democratic Party that I've I mean I believe I've said this before, the reason I think that they haven't been able to actually get anything done for such a long time is because we're so divided over just minutia all the time. Yeah, the and, Republican and that's, that... Party has this ability of, oh, that guy looks pretty good, and the entire party just gets behind someone's back, and, um, you know, maybe that's better. Maybe we don't need a
0: national convention with like 19 possible candidates. Yeah, and, and that's that's in general too. And it's like I was, like I was taken from other podcasts, but like. The left won't stoop to the level of the Republicans. It's, it, you know, it's just it, it's just so different. It, they won't fight dirty. You know, the Republicans will take away people's rights or wherever, or do twenty-one hour long filibusters to succeed, or go through all these backdoor means to confirm justices the eleventh hour. But the, the the left won't do that it's either a lack of confidence or some moral superiority yeah. and i think that america in a lot of ways is less divided than people would have you believe i think that when when the time comes if you know if people if there is going to be a time where we're going to need to overthrow the government i think we're going to be taking up arms right alongside the rednecks <laughs> because i yeah. think that in a in a lot of ways they they don't support the government curtailing the rights of people i don't think they support um a lot of the stuff i think as a society we get hung up on all the little stuff and the little stuff is a lot less important than rights than first amendments bill of rights shit and i think it's just it matters more that we find common ground with people because, as we'll get into, the problem with America isn't division. Well, it is division, but there's a reason for that. The next news item is similarly non-cheerful. Um, this was probably the worst mass shooting of the year.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, it's been a while since we've seen something like
0: this. Um, I remember that, that that like that that weekend or that week. It was like a few years ago when it was just one after another for like a week. Yeah, was that one week or was it like one every day? And it's like the one where like 3 Walmarts got shot up. That and that was that was like coming off the heels of Parkland too. And you know, you've you guys watch the news. If any if anyone out there's watching this, like y'all y'all watch the news. Y'all know what's happening in the world. But my my take is that. I think the mass shooting issue at this point has moved beyond guns because, yeah, it, the gun issue always comes up around a mass shooting and then fizzles out. It's not about guns. Someone could easily carry out a mass shooting with a gun that is small. I don't know, I don't know about guns, but yeah, but um, you get the idea. It's, it's not
1: more and more of all of the shootings that have been happening are either um, racially motivated. Um, motivated by ethnicity or nationality I know Um, there was one a while back motivated on sexuality at a nightclub yeah, um, yeah it's not because someone has a gun and says I'm going to do evil things with this gun I can't control myself it's someone that says I can't control myself I want to hurt this group of people and they get a gun. And yeah. the problematic part is that they got the gun, but it's not as if preventing them from getting the gun would have stopped it. It would have just made it less violent. Like The issue is I'm, addressing why there are so many people that believe that violence is the right answer.
0: I was, yeah, I was kind of poring over every time I see a headline like this. I kind of, I, I always kind of got to stop and think and... I think I finally figured it out on the why, why America is like this and I I think it's a breakdown of trust in social institutions in general um I think over the last few decades we've seen pretty much every hallowed social institution have their credibility completely blown away um I think the presidency began its slow decline with Nixon. I think Congress kind of lost it with Gingrich. I think that the Supreme Court finally did. It was kind of the nail in the coffin. Um, the police kind of held on, but 2020 just finally completely lost it. And church and religion, kind of through their scandals piling up, have kind of lost credibility in the eyes of the the atheist or the moderate but i think that the only way america is going to be socially healthy into the future because the problem with mass shootings is people thinking that they have the right to kill another human being that that's always been the problem and whether it's branching out to meet new people to talk to new people to gather new points of view to form a community organization to maybe i don't know go so far as to wave to a police officer who you know is doing their job right i i think that rebuilding trust in social institutions is a slow movement but it's one that really does need to happen
1: yeah there's that's i do agree with you there's a worrying gap in between the public the perceived public you know the opinion of the mm-hmm. collective that we see in media yeah. and then the actual you know influencers so the media itself um it's less of a player now but newspapers and written articles uh uh what is it religion tv movies there are so many different things that all in their very own subtle way promote the same idea one that's distorted from the
0: actual reality Mm mm-hmm Yeah, there's this documentary, um, it's, it's like one of those Nat Geo documentaries that are, like, like, nobody knows about them, but they're really well done for no reason. But it was a world without oil, and the premise was just oil wells all went dry at the same time everywhere in the world at, like, in our modern day. And it went something like it followed everything that would happen, so, um the immediate breakdown of food transportation networks um emergency services like no more plastics like no more hospital equipment medical gloves and like the slow breakdown of social infrastructure and services but then eventually you know algae growing still being able to use natural gas for essential plastics being able to Mine lithium for electric cars and electric ships and biodiesel and everything. And then it kind of went into 10 years, 20 years, 30 years in the future. And at every step in the way, humanity was becoming more and more like everything was better. Like, you know, they were terrace farming in cities or urban farming or moving south or doing what they had to do. And eventually, 40 years after, humanity had completely recovered. And you know that. And the allegory I'm getting at is not about oil, although it would be poignant for this podcast. It's going towards what's uprooting a social institution looks like. It's, here we are. The oil's ran out at the same instant. All the trust is gone. Now it must be slowly, slowly, slowly be built back up. And I think they might have gotten the time frame right in terms of 40 years because this stuff takes a long time. But... Yeah. It's about like a that quote.
1: generation, so that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it, it's like it's like that quote the best time to plant a forest was twenty years ago, the second best time is now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, honestly, I think this is truly one of the movements that like climate unlike climate change where it's fairly ambiguous to the individual, this one's fairly easy as an individual to fix. I mean just I don't know yeah do your part get get more involved in your community go out and meet your neighbors go out and make new friends become connected become a member of the community community organizations if you're not religious that's fine start some type of i don't know reading group just the more that we can connect with each other these divisions are going to go away because we're going to realize that people aren't so different we just get hung up on the details
1: Prevent isolation, prevent people from
0: being polarized
1: by dangerous sources and prevent those people from coming to their own realization that may not be true. And that realization is incredibly dangerous for everyone around them.
0: Absolutely. And it's, yeah, just do your part (laughs) of them. So... A few articles that I'd like to look at um, one of them is from kind of an infinite um an infinite generator for um kind of stupid ideas and that takes the Atlantic ideas section ooh but i'm but I'm not on the Atlantic ideas section so this is this is a piece by Robinson Meyer um I'm trying to find the about him section it looks like he's a uh He's the staff writer at The Atlantic, so I guess kind of a bigwig there. And he was – this was written in April 27th, so a few weeks ago. And this was in response to the newest um, IPCC report about climate change. And the article is titled, There is no scenario in which 2050 is normal. Two paths to avoid the worst of climate change would still dramatically change the world as we know it. All right. Earlier this month, the United Nations-led IG- IPCC released the latest volume in its current synthesis report, its omnibus summary of what humanity knows about the climate. As I wrote at the time, while the, while the other volumes focus on the impacts of climate change, this newest report narrows in on how to prevent it. One of the main tools that the volume uses to estimate how we might avert climate catastrophe is so-called energy system models. These are complicated computer programs that simulate the global economy's use of energy in all its guises, coal, natural gas, wind, solar, and what happens because of the greenhouse gases is burnt. That is a really cool program. I'd have to get my hands on that. Yeah. Um... I guess simulating every economy. That's. Huh. How do people do that? simulations that are so macro that it's you know okay so let's so that this is kind of just this is the exploratory section so they're saying what's happening so let's mm-hmm. the take start of the hundreds of scenarios that the ipcc analyzed all fell into one of three buckets in the first bucket every scenario forecasts that the world will soon be remo- removing tens of gigatons of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere every year carbon removal is still a bit of a dream Not only is it technologically unproven at scale, it is extremely energy intensive. But the IPCC report implies that within the lifetime of children alive today, the world might be spending more than a third of its total energy production removing carbon from the atmosphere, according to Zeke Housefather, who is an author on the IPCC. Okay, I I could see (laughs) that as possible. I mean, carbon capture that we looked at is still part of the solution because the bigger question of climate change is how to restore the carbon cycle as it was meant to be yeah
1: it's, so i um, i
0: i could see that being possible
1: it may be possible i think that's a very idealistic look i think that um
0: yeah i think bucket reality, bucket we,
1: Go we have to stop everything in its tracks right now and only then can we start to think about how do we trap yeah, the carbon yeah. that's in the atmosphere how do we sequester it, and eventually lead to a smaller loop in the carbon cycle but
0: yeah. you know yeah kind of know, talking um... about carbon capture right now is a little bit of trying to sprint before you can crawl yeah as we All talked right, so... about in the um episode
1: on climate solutions
0: <laughs> the
1: carbon sequestering the route the is one. really just a drop in the bucket right now The technology is too young, and it doesn't address the fact that the source of carbon is still being created.
0: Alright. Yeah, so they mentioned, the world won't derive any immediate economic gain from this waste management exercise. God, you know it's an Atlantic article and they immediately go to, like, the... But what about the economy, though? Yeah. Um... It won't turn all the carbon into something useful. It will simply need to spend uh, what could equal trillions of dollars a year on carbon removal to help rein in climactic upheaval. What's more, this mass removal will need to happen while the world does everything else that decarbonization entails, such as building wind farms and solar farms, expanding public transit, and switching to EVs. Every climate plan, every climate policy you've ever heard about will need to happen while tens of gigatons of carbon removal revs up in the background. Yep. This may sound unbelievable, but now let's turn our attention to the second bucket. They tell a different story, one in which the world rapidly curtails its energy user over the next two decades, slashing carbon pollution not only from rich countries, but also middle-income countries such as Brazil, Pakistan, and India. Sure.
1: Yeah, By curtailing...
0: Sure. Yeah. By curtailing energy demand... I'm not talking about the standard energy transition, green growth situation, where the world produces more energy every year and just has a larger and larger share of it coming from zero carbon sources. Rather, these scenarios imagine a world where total global energy demand collapses in the next few decades. There's a good reason for this. As far as models are concerned, this tactic is one of the best ways to crash carbon pollution. But that's not how any country approaches climate policy. I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, uh, uh, the nature of a civilization is to require more energy um, uh, uh, definitely energy will need to come from greener sources but you can't energy means development and development means energy you can't you can't slash energy y- you'd essentially be sending humanity backward Alright, sure. But one of the things I do agree with is coming up next. So, they talk about car ownership. So, we talked about cars are only about 30% efficient in terms of converting the chemical energy of gasoline into kinetic energy on the road. Most of it's lost in heat. Uh, So, stuff like that, I guess, increasing efficiency would technically reduce energy produced. Um, they assume that the number of cars will go from 1.3 billion to 2.21 billion by 2050, of which less than half will be EVs. Eh, that's probably correct. Yeah, sounds about right. But the, yeah, so that's that's the, the U.S. Energy Information Administration. But the report would require the global vehicle fleet to nearly have during the same time period shrinking to about 850 million cars and light trucks. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I yeah, see. okay. They're saying like they're saying it's not likely. <laughs> I think they got that one. There's just this continued problem of we need to
1: solve our energy crisis, but we can't ever stop creating more energy. I think yeah. that comes back to is the world growing at an unnaturally fast rate which, I mean, it is, but how do we address that?
0: Yeah, and it it gets to, I mean, think about it as basic as the carrying capacity, the concept that an ecosystem can only support a certain amount of a certain species. I think that humanity is over its care. that if humanity, like, there was some report, and it was, if humanity wants to continue living as it's living, now like in terms of consumption energy production carbon and keep the world in equilibrium the population could only be about 2 billion
1: yeah we'd need about 4.3 earths or around there in order to sustain
0: what we have right now yeah which isn't i mean like given the fact that by 2100 the human population is expected to be only about 5 billion people i don't think that's as hard of a sell because the birth rate is development means that a birth rate goes down and development is occurring rapidly. And seeing that the U.S. is pretty much below has been below replacement level for almost a generation and we're starting to see the effects of that. Like, when, when is the U.S. like, I don't think they because immigration is so strong, I don't expect the U.S. population to start decreasing for quite a while. But in terms of births, I think that i think that's already if there were no immigrants the u.s population would be falling correct
1: yeah i think um you know the thing you said about carrying capacity is really interesting because that's a concept that's so universally accepted in all ecological fields i I don't know if
0: i've ever heard anyone apply it to humans so far we may got we may got mechanical keyboards we may got the dollar that we made up we may got rectangles that we tap until food comes to our door but we're just we're just fucking animals man we're animals i we mean require. we require we're not, food, food we're not a water, 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 water oxygen that we need we need all the stuff that animals need to make sense that we'd have our own limits because <laughs> that's interesting because I've, I've always thought about that and we're, like ever since i ever since i heard the term like carrying capacity and how it was like talked about with like environmental studies i was like oh of course it's the same thing for humans but you're right i've not I, you know all my research for the 30 episodes we've done i've never seen that before
1: yeah it's it's a very it's a take that feels very real it's mm-hmm. some how do i describe it the idea of carrying capacity feels so relevant in the conversation of you know, what do we do with four more billion people?
0: Yeah, it's... There's... Some people have tried to deal with this, so if you all out there ever think that Vox is a credible news source, its founder, Matthew Iglesias, has wrote quite a few um interesting books with some interesting takes. Well, he, um... A tweet or a book. I'm gonna look this up because I want to make sure I do it justice. Okay, so this is yeah. So Matthew Iglesias, uh, his article is different places have different safety rules, and that's okay. <laughs> And this was this was after that uh, textile factory collapse in uh, Bangladesh that killed like ninety people. Ooh, what was the justification for that? Take the justification. So the reasons that while having a safe job is good, money is also good. Jobs that are unusually dangerous in the contemporary U.S. That's primarily fishing, logging, and trucking pay a premium over other working class occupations precisely because people are reluctant to risk death or maiming at work. And in a risk-free society, it's good that people are able to make different choices on the risk-reward spectrum. So what? Basic, So his argument is that it makes sense that, that it, it's good that people should be allowed to... To weigh the pros and cons of putting their life on the line. My brother, there was no pros or cons. They literally work to live. So
1: does everyone yeah. else. And
0: it's like, it's like, yeah, if you work in a coal mine, you can, you don't have a choice in a, in a, lot, in a like, lot of instances. That's
1: under the assumption that every person in a coal mine or any other dangerous field of labor chose to be there. And they can make the choice at any time to, you know
0: go for some white collar job that's not true yeah, and, it, and it's and it's he, one of his inspirations is a book called no one makes you shop at walmart which you can guess the interpretation of that it's why don't God, poor no people one? stop being poor shopping at it's, it's, one of, it's, things it's is what makes them poor it's one of those it's it's like it's not really the fault of everyone that a company became so predatory that it's hard to not use it. Like I'm sure, I'm sure I'm, I use Amazon. I use it quite frequently. They got a lot of stuff. It's very convenient to use. It's cheaper. I'd rather not use them. I try to not use them when I can, but it's like this the other day. So I was trying to buy a day planner for this summer and next year. So, all right, I, Let's see if I can find a day planner direct from the company. okay, that, that I had this year. Oh damn, they don't they don't they only have an Amazon store. All right. Well, can I get it from any like stationary shops or anywhere around here? Oh, there's no stationary shops around here because Amazon put them all out of business. All right, um, I'm just gonna go to an actual store. I went to Target. They didn't have it. All right, I'm gonna look at Target's website. Oh shit, they have it, but I need to pay thirty five dollars before I can buy it which was really stupid i could only i could only buy it if i paid 35 dollars and other crap like all right amazon has it wow it's really cheap wow i can get it the next day like like it's, it's stuff like that like such a mundane low stakes example as that just kind of disproves yeah. the entire claim they're trying to make here it's that yes through yes no no one made me shop at walmart when it was a small mom and pop store by the walton twins and i don't know Fredericksburg, pennsylvania but it's in arkansas yeah go yeah (laughs) wait was it was it in arkansas okay
1: it's in arkansas Um, as all things of the devil are yes shout out to arkansas Um, users um shout
0: out to arkansas Arkansas watchers of this podcast we hope you escape soon (laughs) all right all right so so now so now going on um on the atlantic article Yeah, so they're saying it's not likely that the amount of cars is going to have by 2050. (laughs) Historically, energy efficiency has only improved by about 2% a year, and low energy demand scenarios require much faster shifts. Oh, and by the way, these low energy demand scenarios require a huge amount of carbon removal too, something like 3 billion tons of it. Even with low energy demand, there's still a fair amount of carbon removal deployed. It's just a 3 to 5 gigaton range, which is 1 billion tons, rather than 5 to 15 gigaton range, which is the house father guy. He wrote the report. Um, Then there's the third bucket, which is probably where we're going. In these scenarios, in the new report, humanity fails to limit global temperature growth to 1.5 degrees Celsius, blowing past the more ambitious of the Paris Agreement's climate goals. Passing 1.5 degrees means that the world could encounter deadly droughts, mass migrations, and fatal outdoor temperatures by the middle of the century. Um, I think we've already arrived. Perhaps yeah. you can see the problem. None every of these. Every year, outcomes... there's always
1: that one day in India where the concrete
0: melts on the sidewalk. Yeah, and, and every day there's that like week in Chicago. It's like nobody's immune to it. That's that's the 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 sick beauty of climate change. It's that you can't escape it. Yeah, and it's it. it... <sighs> I'm just going to move on. Um, so their their beef with the buckets is that the first and most significant is that humanity must invest more in carbon removal as quickly as possible. Okay, it's a bad take. So far, most of the money spent on carbon removal has come from the private sector. I wrote about Stripe's effort, but the funding to remove billions of tons a year can only come from the government. Based? Many climate thinkers hope that the federal government will step in and administer carbon removal as a public waste management service, at least in the U.S. There's currently little bipartisan political will to do so, but it is beyond past time time to begin implementing that. The second is that coping with climate change will require a disruption on a scale that our political system has yet to comprehend. In some cases, that disruption will become beforehand and prevent the damage. In others, it will result from the damage. But it will come nonetheless if i asked you 40 years from now will only about five percent of americans own a car or will the world spend a large share of its energy production sucking carbon from the atmosphere you would rightly respond that neither sounded particularly realistic and that is the point we have been back into a corner the scale of change that is headed our way is unimaginable and it is also inevitable that's that's a pretty good ending um i think that's a good introduction on the social impacts of climate change because the social impacts of climate change is very much sacrifice zones and um like toxic factories being like in low-income neighborhoods or just the reality of lower-income neighborhoods being in physically lower-lying areas on coastal cities but i think this is good because it is the literal definition of the word the social aspect of climate change is what do people think of the fact that whether or not you think it's going to happen or whether or not there is political will to do it, only about 5% of Americans will own a car. And the world will spend a large share of its energy production sucking carbon from the atmosphere whether or not we do anything about climate change. Yeah.
1: That's whether just... or
0: not whether or not we stepped in about the Nazis five years or ten years after, we'd still be in World War Two. World War II still would have happened whether or not Pearl Harbor happens. I don't know. That was kind of a shitty analogy, but you get the point. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I get what you
1: mean. It's a very shocking take, but it is admittedly a shockingly realistic one. And it's it's tough to cope with that fact when you first hear it, but then you start realizing the direction we're going and also the direction we'll have to go. And eventually it seems like it's the way we will go.
0: This isn't, like it, it's, it isn't the status quo. I mean, in, I, I hate to sound like this, but I think at some point humanity needs to start preparing for a fundamental reversal of globalization in terms of it might be exceedingly difficult or impossible to get things from overseas. Um, you might have to, instead of, going out like going on Ali aliexpress and buying something you might have to be friends with a metal fabricator who owns a machine shop and have them make it for you or learn these skills and it's there was a there was like kind of an interesting thing that i thought about is this guy who figured out how to make his own of invisalign by he had pirated the program that they used to make all the different molds to make the all the different retainers and it, it's just a resin 3d printer and a uh vacuum former to make the shells and i was thinking like i wish a, like i hope a guy in my commune is going to have one of those <laughs> yeah and it's just like will it get to a point where the tools that you will have available to you and the resources you'll have at your disposal will be from the where you live and I don't know, I, I I think that society very much falls on a good times bad times uh, cycle. I think I think it it really it really is that shitty meme of the the good times create weak men, weak men create bad times. Thing. Yeah, I think that does hold a lot of weight. I think that in a lot of ways, things go good. People get complacent, things go bad, and then the bad makes good. I think we've definitely seen that coming out of World War II. Like, all the shit that the silent generation, well, not the silent, yeah. Probably the Probably the silent generation went through. this. The generation that went through World War II and the Depression. Yeah. And then they created the most opulent society in the history of the world. I don't know. We're... We'll see. Um, I have another article from the New York Times, and this one is about the Justice Department trying to shift environmental justice uh, efforts in terms of giving the environment teeth and legal recourse. This one was written by It looks like two editors who report on federal climate and environmental policy. She has broken multiple stories about Trump administration. Cool. Alright. So, let's get Get into it. Last November, officials in Lowndes County, Alabama, began fielding inquiries from an uninspected inquisitor, the Justice Department, which had opened an investigation into the link between environmental racism and chronic water flooding and sanitation woes. The Biden administration's choices of Lowndes as the site as its first big environmental justice inquiry was based on the magnitude of the county's problems, but it also sent a message. The county was a voting rights battleground and a focal point of MLK Jr.'s march from Selma to Montgomery, making it a logical choice to open a new front on civil rights. That's an interesting point because it really is civil rights. It's the right to live where you can have clean water. It's less it's less it's a more abstract form of racism than project housing or redlining or segregation or even lynching like it's it's very much a result of years of discrimination
1: yeah that notion is very interesting because then you think about things like the Fort michigan crisis which is still going on and you realize that Mm -hmm. wait a minute what were the events that wed us here um, Detroit became an industry town and it was redwined heavily and a large amount of African American people started living in that area outside mm-hmm. of Detroit and then as the area, um, you know, as white happened and in the, the industry theater. died the people who couldn't afford to go out because they were working working class jobs were stuck there And as things deteriorated, no one could do much about it because the government was so corrupt.
0: They never got any of their lead pipes uh, retrofitted.
1: It would have cost $2,000 a year.
0: To retrofit, like remove the lead pipes? To retrofit. Jesus.
1: It would have cost that much to maintain it and prevent it from starting.
0: Uh, that's probably the all all that combined is probably the salary of the head of the EPA of that region who got fired because of the whole thing.
1: Yeah, even if even if that number was grossly underestimated and whatever media outlet put it out, that was only like let's say one tenth of it. Even twenty grand a year to prevent your entire populace from having to deal with leaded water that can pretty much set back your entire population's iq to like 20 years
0: it's ridiculous it was not a thing that should have ever happened so all right then moving on last week attorney general announced of montgomery i don't know announced a series of policies intended to elevate the department's environmental justice efforts from the symbolic to the substantive As President Biden's allies questioned the pace of other White House efforts to help Black and Hispanic communities hit hard by pollution, neglect, and climate change. Mr. Garland's most important step by far was the creation of an office inside the department responsible for addressing the harm caused by environmental crime, pollution, and climate change in communities of color and low-income cities, towns, and countries. The new office is tiny, a $1.4 million operation tucked into a $35 billion department, but its ambitions are vast. It's very much a work in progress. It's a small staff of attorneys that will coordinate efforts across the department to use the sweeping power under Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 to initiate investigations, negotiate civil settlements, and pursue criminal indictments in the most extreme cases. Hmm. Okay. So let's take a look at what they were looking at. But several people unfamiliar with the process, speaking on the condition of anonymity, to publicly discuss the matter, said potential targets for investigations were obvious to anyone who had followed the issue in recent years. They include a dense area of industrial refineries, a plant... (laughs) Oh, my God. They include a dense area of industrial refineries and plants in Louisiana, known as... Do you want to guess? Um, I'm sure it's going to be something insane. Cancer Alley. Cancer Alley?
1: that's what they I call mean, it
0: that's, that's pretty it's pretty on the nose <laughs> all right Part, and also parts of the texas coast followed by petrochemicals and majority minority communities that have been rele- relegated to low-lying flood-prone areas without functioning water management infrastructure like cairo illinois yeah and San branch yeah texas. baby cairo illinois people from cairo are crabby you ever been there um, I've never been actually. I mean it it, it has its um like southern Illinois uh, charm in in terms of like it be there being like a ga- like an, an off brand gas like a Sinclair gas station. <laughs> um with like that like there's no attendant in there. And the bathroom looks how you'd expect, and there's nothing else. <laughs> Southern Illinois is more or less lost to time. Oh, it's so weird. The only time you ever hear about Southern Illinois is during the governor races. Yeah. Honestly, I'm convinced that like that that's the that's the only time they get any any coverage at all. It's like they they never vote in the general elections, or at least not for president, because they know what's going to happen. But like Illinois is a swing state when it comes to the governor races because if if the if the governor if the if the candidates can find the one single ish this like almost everyone in Illinois is a single issue voter about one thing in terms of it changes year to year. So like twenty eighteen it probably had to be weed. As soon as you said weed, and as soon as Rounner didn't say weed, it was over. Yeah. Like it was, it was actually over as soon as, uh, like, like, JB Pritzker was like, "I know what the people want; it's weed."
1: JB Pritzker really said, "We're gonna legalize it," and every <laughs> single
0: person said, "All right, bet." And he did. <laughs> and, and he did. It he did. I, mean, I will. I will. I will, with... I will give him credit. He did do what he said he was gonna do. Uh, and as such, he's running almost uncontested. Yeah. <laughs> yep. My I love um I love second term governor races in states where like they like the governor because they're always such a circus. Like California's like that too, where like most people like the governor and they're walk he's basically gonna walk into a second term. And it's like the weirdest people are coming out to try to win this thing. <laughs> yeah. Alright, moving on. Moreover, every U.S. attorney has been instructed to dedicate lawyers to peruse environmental justice cases, and those prosecutors have a wide latitude to open their investigations, a force multiplier that should expand the effort far beyond department headquarters. That's why it's so important that these initiatives not only create a new office here in Washington, but also direct all 93 U.S. attorneys' offices across the country to proactively seek out information. Mr. Biden. Who prevailed in the 2020 Democratic primaries by winning strong support from black voters? How did he win the primary? How did he do it? Good How question. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? <laughs> it, it, was, it, was, it was when Bernie Sanders had a gun pointed to his head and was like, I'm endorsing Joe Biden. Did you watch that? It's awful. It honestly two like four handies in his.
1: In his... Uh, campaign runs like oh like sleepy biden every single democratic candidate had to immediately <laughs> like double back and take back all of that stuff even oh, though yeah. they meant it and
0: they still do because by My... god if trump got a second term i was curious how old bernie sanders was and i i, I guess it's bernie sanders age and like the number one result is bernie sanders age 2024 20, <laughs> it's like people are people are still they're still on the Bernie train. Here's I, how he can Ber- still I'm, win, guys. I'm on the Bernie train too. I just don't want it to be Bernie. Pebble throw is
1: a Nazi, but <laughs> I, I, the one I, comic I want, shows how Bernie can still win is incredibly funny. I want,
0: at the very least, a baby boomer in the office. Yes. Yeah. Is it too much to hope that I can have someone under the age of 75 in the White House? Yeah. Or is is that is that is that too much of an ask now? It might be. And it's like, no, I'll I'll take the fascist but someone who's 86 is a bridge too far. <laughs> Ugh. All right. He was the first president to embrace environmental justice. Good god, that's depressing. Uh, one of his first actions was to issue an executive order directing the Justice Department to ensure comprehensive attention to environmental justice. I'm convinced that you honestly could have just said Biden's only productive day in office was the first two hours he was actually in office. Yeah. Is that is that when he undid most of the Trump administration in the form of a, like a stack of executive orders like three feet tall?
1: That's just going to become the norm now. Every president is going to have that one photo of them from day one, where you can barely see their face behind all the executive orders. It's just going to be swinging back and forth like that.
0: All right, hold on. I'm trying to find the picture. That's the picture. There we go. That. Oh, cool. He's got a different pen for each of them. <laughs> what do you think oh they do with the pens afterwards?
1: Uh decontaminated them. Put them back into circulation like it's like like a (laughs) coin mint. (laughs)
0: That's a lot of executive orders. Good God. Well, okay, this is a funny headline. Joe Biden wasted no time scrubbing the Cheeto stains out of the nation's collective rug. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Vanity Fair, you win. You win that one. All right. Anyway. Oh, shit. I I missed my article. There we go. All right, so one of his first actions as president was to issue an executive order directing the Justice Department to ensure comprehensive protection to environmental justice. Enforcement of environmental regulations slackened during President Donald... Why are you calling him Mr. Biden, but you're saying President Donald J. Trump? <laughs> <laughs> New York Times. Bro. <laughs> All right. And his aides scrapped several key initiatives, including a program that required companies to bankroll community infrastructure investment instead of paying fines for violations of environmental law. Okay. Still, Mr. Biden's agenda has been hampered by delays and staffing turnover, prompting activists to worry that the administration could fall short of its promises to make environmental justice a priority across all parts of the federal government. No shit. Last week, the White House Council on Environmental Quality tapped... Oh, I mean, like, tapped on the shoulder, not wiretapped your phone. Jalone uh, J. White Newsome, a longtime advocate for environmental equity, to be its senior director for environmental justice. She will help oversee the Biden administration's completion of a sweeping screening tool that tries to identify communities bearing the brunt of environmental damages. Its goal is to help fulfill another presidential promise to deliver 40% of the benefits of federal investment in environmental cleanup, energy, and climate migration in disadvantaged communities. That's less than half, but... Alright. Don't you think it should be at least 50%? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. Federal gosh. okay, so so the war so the letter is federal investments in environmental cleanup, clean energy, and climate my, mitigation. Okay. It seems like disadvantaged communities make up more than forty percent of the population, but I could be wrong.
1: I'd argue it's much, much more. <laughs>
0: Aren't <laughs> I, they I usually urban? If, I, I think that if the um the the ninety what 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 is it? I'm looking up, it's not ninety. Seeing as the top ten percent hold about eighty percent of the wealth, I think that's bullshit. okay hmm. interesting all right moving on yeah how many more of these do you got um I'm not done with the article seeing as we're almost an hour and I'm probably gonna finish up with this one because I had another yeah. one but it's kind of it's kind of the same as the first one but it's from Global Fair enough. Citizen Instead of protecting the entire foundation for the justice system, they set up a new environmental justice unit this week, uh, blah, 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 our failing ruling class in a nutshell. Wait, what? Instead of protecting the entire foundation of the justice system, A.G. Garland set up a new environmental justice unit last week, Adam Paul Laxant, a Republican and former Nevada Attorney General who is running for the Senate, our failed ruling class in a nutshell conservatives seized on the announcement as proof that Democrats are more interested in using federal law enforcement to pursue liberal political goals than addressing the national increase in violent crime. Can... Oh my... Goodness. Ugh. Uh, you... Uh, trying... Trying to explain crime statistics to a conservative is like oil and water. <laughs> uh, I wonder why...
1: I wonder why they have you more ever, convictions, Like, bro, mm. like, bro of,
0: of course, of course, of course, there's no crime in your in your in your red state because you live in bumfuck, like Lancaster County where there's four people and you all know each other. Yeah, like y'all are you you ever been to a city in a red state? Man, it is sad. Y'all ever been to Tulsa, Oklahoma, or like New Orleans or visit their fabulous downtown? you seen crime in New Orleans? <laughs> crime in Florida? Crime in Texas? <laughs> it is... And, and, like, crime in California, for the most part, it, it, it's it's just cars getting broken into, or shoplifting. It's a lot less getting killed, or... You know, starving to death on the street, while well, there's those in there, too, but, like... You know, it's like. Oh, you can't. The New York Times had another piece on this, and it was more often what people feel is going to carry more weight than whatever peer reviewed study you can pull out. Like, people are going to believe the anecdote of their friend of a friend who lives. In, on the coast who's like yeah it's, There's crime here They're gonna say well blue state Well there's crime in blue states And then you're not gonna be able to convince them otherwise Yeah or, or someone who's like Who I don't know like One of those tech workers Who moves to San Francisco or wherever From like the middle of nowhere Who's like oh my god there's so much crime Here and then moves to Austin or something And then disappears off the face of the earth and it's like, well, how about you talk to someone who's lived there for, like, 30 years, and it's like, well, it's about the same, or if anything, it's gone down. Or if you talk to someone who's lived in a red state city who's actually open about their opinions, they'll be like, uh, yeah, crime sucks. <laughs> it, it, it's such It's such, like, a good strategy, though, to just capitalize on the liberals don't want to do anything about violent crime. Like, have you seen all the Attorney General ads, like, on YouTube on there? And it's, like, the anti-Kim Fox or whoever. I am uh, not, actually. So, Kim Fox is the Cook County DA. And her and the DA of San Francisco County, so Chisa Bowden, have come under fire for trying to explore new alternatives to cash bail or... Um, Less sentencing for nonviolent crimes like larceny or burglary. And for the most part, that's good stuff. Except for the fact that they tried these policies right before a violent crime wave started. So even though the two are unrelated, you can't convince people of that. Yeah. So Chisa Bowden in San Francisco is. Having a recall election this week might or might not happen. Kim Fox is gonna maybe survive um, whether she gets she'll definitely get reelected, but like all right, so what about the EPA? The EPA also has the power to investigate violations of federal environmental laws and has stepped up its enforcement actions in the community's color under the administration. Over the past year, the EPA has reached uh, hundred and eighteen million dollar settlement with Chevron Phillips to resolve clean air violations in Texas, halted operations in a refinery in the US Virgin Islands, and ordered officials in Clarksburg, West Virginia to provide an alternative source of drinking water or remove customers affected by high levels of the containment, many of them black. You know you're in Appalachia when the town ends in Berg. Oh yeah. Like, goodness God, like I'm I'm gonna like, hover over Like West Virginia, real quick, on Google Maps. There's also some admittedly charming sound names. It seems Ville, too. Prestonburg. um, Williamsburg. Lewisburg. uh, Barbersville. Yeah, you get the point. Yeah. (laughs) There's, There's some stupid towns there. Um, Whitesburg. Okay, anyway. God, I keep losing my goddamn article. That's fine. Alright, there we go. Um, Yeah, so, from what I understand, it's... A lot of it comes down to the states in this situation of running up against the, the... the federal government, government might be trying to investigate all these cases of environmental injustice, but a state could just say, no, nothing's wrong. Or, why aren't you focusing on crime?
1: <laughs> why aren't you focusing on crime? And it's like, we'll get there when we get there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, maybe we don't focus on crime right now. Maybe we focus on the more existential threat of something that's actually happening. And it's like, but didn't you hear the news? And it's like, sh- you watch no, the news? No, I, I, I didn't. I, you don't watch. Like, you don't watch the news. You heard it from like, you, you, heard, you heard it from, it from Pamela
1: in at- the grocery checkout line.
0: <laughs> you heard it from from Pamela at the farm and fleet.
1: <laughs> it's oh my god! Did you hear they're putting razor blades in our kids' candy? And it's like, yo. Did not hear that on CF. My
0: my, like, my my favorite is putting edibles in the kids' candy. It's like no one's giving your kids their edibles.
1: Someone bought that gram for twenty bucks. They're not gonna waste it on some dumb kid. There's a ooh, there's a big rainbow outside my window right now. Wow,
0: it's a it's a nice sunset. I can't, I can't see no rainbow though. I uh, you know, I'm I'm always thinking it's like the right has all these places to um to organize. Like they got church, they got the Farm and Fleet. Where does the left organize?
1: Good good question. Like like we Panera don't Bread? Have the
0: Farm and Fleet. We know we have um we have the Starbucks, although not anymore. We got Discord. It's Discord. It's all decentralized servers. Be bisexual, eat hot chip and lie. Apparently public schools. (laughs) I don't don't know. And that that gets to the bigger question of how does the left organize?
1: Yeah, I mean we don't really have a centralized platform, although I guess you could say since being left of center is the status quo right now, it's everywhere,
0: but that's a little bit of a cop-out. It's not only a cop-out and it's also... The whole left of center argument is true if you consider leftism to fundamentally be the party of advancement, which in a lot of ways it is. But I think that the term socially left only goes to describe things that have become so commonplace that people have just gotten used to it, like gay marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not so sure... But, like that's a weird question of organization. anyway, that's kind of it for me.
1: yeah, I mean, any shout outs?
0: Uh, Ukraine, obviously, all the people yeah, in the City of Buffalo. Uh, apparently, just I was on looked at the news city of Los Angeles.
1: yeah shout out to uh shout out to all the high scores out there that have gotten through their APs and gotten through the suffering and but get sh- to do it next year
0: well no no one no. of the IB exams hmm? when are the IB exams the IB exams no they already happened wait no no this is still going on it's like all month it's oh dope. man but you know i hate ib kids so like that, that doesn't matter
1: ib kids are the way to cope about paying 20 grand in tuition for an, sit- an like, inner school sit it's like
0: it's but, 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 but it's but it's but it's internationally recognized
1: are you going to an international school <laughs>
0: Are you going to the... It's like taking the park test. It was only important if you were moving. Ugh. Alright. Anyway, I need to figure out how to get the piece of trash that I took from my place of business to work. Ah. I'm going to enjoy the rainbow outside. Very much so, and my head uh, out. This is team. on your back. Right, the point of contention right. is how they act.
1: Where you draw the
0: line will set you free. Don't obey.